Today's episode is going to be one that will be a complete light bulb moment for some of our listeners, or else more of a fascinating and helpful, but not especially relevant episode for many others. Love addiction is a real issue in some marriages, often with devastating, heartbreaking consequences. What makes it particularly tricky to understand is that it's like normal love between couples, but stuck in that early infatuation stage. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a fascinating episode for you this week. This is episode number 186, and today we're going to be talking about love addiction. Hey there. Before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed how to be assertive with your spouse. So go back and check that out. Oh, very assertive. Thank you. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And remember, if you're struggling with your marriage, even in something as deeply impactful and maybe hard to understand is something like this. We offer sound research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope. So let's talk about love addiction. Alrighty. Well, like, I don't know if our listeners are like me, but I like being in love, like a lot with you. Right. And then you hear the term love addiction and it's easy to think like, whoa, I might have that. Right. Yeah. True enough. So let's break it down. Okay. Love addiction is really about being addicted to or obsessing over falling in love and that rush associated with new romantic relationships. Okay. Like wanting that part over and over and over or continuously. Okay. So it should become clear as we get into this, but if it doesn't call me out, okay? Okay. People with love addiction, they constantly chase the excitement. They chase the romance and that passion of the first stages of a romantic relationship. And then when that initial intense pleasure wears off, they become less interested in maintaining the relationship and often leave in hopes of recapturing that intense passion with somebody else. But we talk about, you know, like rekindling the romance, the romance and going back to what you had rather than let it get stale. So how is this different? Right. Good question. So two episodes from now, we have an episode on how to increase the love you feel in your marriage. Okay. And and it brings out something which I think we've mentioned before in our podcast where when you deepen intimacy, it actually increases your like the sexual passion in your marriage. Okay. So I'm not saying when you have more intimacy, you have more passion. I'm saying when it changes, oh, it increases okay. passion. Okay. Okay. And that's that's a normal, healthy part of being in a marriage. So does that clarify for your question? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, let's keep going because there's there's a lot to this. Okay. And part of it might just come out as we go through it, right? Okay. So think about this person. They're in this context right now where they're in pursuit of the early infatuation stages of a relationship over and over and over. The brain has to make sense of this, of course. So love addicts will often believe that what they're searching for is true love. Because I'm saying they have to make sense of why they're doing this. Yeah. And so they hope to find a person with whom they can maintain these intense feelings of romantic love forever because when they... When the hormones in your brain change and you, you kind of go into the steady burn love as opposed to the you know rapid rush that mm-hmm. kind of initiates the relationship, it's like, oh, something's wrong oh. rather than adapting to and appreciating that calm stability of that stage. Yeah. Yeah. So 
So, and so it does get a little tricky going through this because when we talk about a love addict, it, you know, a love addict could exist in the context of bouncing from relation to relationship mm-hmm. or a love addict could exist in, in a marriage and even so much as would also be faithful, but, you know, always pressing for more, like there's something missing hmm. and that's because of the addiction, right? So okay. again, let me keep going here. Okay. So since the brain is not wired though for in maintaining that intense feeling of love with one person forever, it's an unachievable outcome. So then if they stay in a marriage, they'll become dissatisfied quite likely and may go to extreme lengths in that marriage to try to recapture the magic of the early relationship stages. Like just okay. really pressing for that, right? Okay. Research estimates that between five and ten percent of the adult population suffer from love addiction to some degree. Okay. That's a study from twenty seventeen. That's a reasonable amount. That is a decent amount of people, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the high of love. So the feelings of romantic love in the first stages of a relationship, that releases chemicals like dopamine, like adrenaline in the brain. And that's part of where that feeling of intense pleasure and energy and even sexual arousal comes from during early stages of a relationship with a new romantic partner. And those are the same chemicals actually that end up being released during sex and also when abusing drugs such as cocaine and heroin. Mm-hmm. And so what you learn from this is that romantic love activates the unconscious reward system in the brain or the subconscious reward system. And that motivates a person to want to keep experiencing more. And mm-hmm. it also causes people to intensely focus their attention on the source of the pleasure, the romantic partner. Mm-hmm. But it also creates feelings of obsession and a desire to pursue the partner. Like this is really now describing the addictive component, right? Okay. And you know, please understand again, though, this is part of a normal, healthy love and yeah. the development of a new relationship. That's okay. You don't have to fight that. Okay. Right. That's not a problem in itself. It only becomes a problem when a person chases these feelings and views them as more important than the relationship itself. So you go through those normal 18 months of this, mm-hmm. and then it's like one once, uh, maybe let's say you're, you get married around then. I don't know how long you date for, okay. but one spouse kind of settles into the slow burning thing and the other's like still trying to create this high. Okay. Right. And that's a problem. And the high becomes more important than what they have right now with this other person. Okay. And that's where the problem comes in. Okay. So, and this is, so we're getting into brain chemistry too here, right? So that the chemical processes of love that can then create behavior cycles, it translates now from brain to behavior in very similar forms to other addiction, where the addict gets hooked on the rush of feel good chemicals. The addict comes to see romance and love is the only way they can experience that feeling. Now, of course, like this could all be subconscious, right? Okay. So like, this is how you get into this high of love. And typically, again, like we said, the intense stage of romantic love lasts about 18 months before being replaced with the less intense companionate love. So continually chasing that initial feeling and becoming dependent upon at least a very unhealthy, immature relationships or to the person repeatedly breaking off their relationships in search of new ones. Mm -hmm. Or if they feel somehow bound by marriage because of moral or spiritual values, there could be repeated infidelity because they're, they're trying to find that meet that deep craving in their heart. Wow. Okay. Now, as you can imagine, this can become harmful, but like, you know, this is, I don't know if this has come out a little bit already, but there are some researchers that argue that even normal healthy love has a lot of similarities to addiction. So this is a study from 2017. Okay. So for example, love produces feelings of intense pleasure. It motivates a person to keep seeking contact with the source of that pleasure. Yeah. The other person, it can create feelings of obsession 
and it can cause feelings of sadness when the object of your desire is not available. Yes. And all of this is very similar to patterns found in addiction. But remember this, we're still talking about healthy. Okay. Here, right? Okay. Healthy addiction? No, no. This, we're just saying that, that this is where love can look like addiction. Okay. In okay. this phase. Okay. And so that's why I'm kind of saying there's no need to freak out here. It only, but it only becomes harmful when it interferes with the person or with their partner's well-being or with their safety. So how do you know when, when love has gone from healthy to harmful addiction? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's uh, six things. And I would say like maybe some of these you could take in isolation, but you're more looking at these as a constellation of behaviors. So you'd be looking for okay. three or four of them. Okay. Okay. So if you like check one of these boxes, don't freak out. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Okay. The desire for love interfering with your ability to function in everyday life. That's a sure sign of an addiction. Okay, can we just stop for a second here? What's this desire for love? It's for that initial rush of an it's, intoxicating... Yeah, needing the other person. It could look like the pursuit of sex, but not necessarily. It's not the okay. same as sex addiction, but it's the pursuit of the relationship, which may okay. be highly characterized by sex. So this is like okay. you, can't get, you can't get your work done. Your job is suffering because you're so obsessed over connecting with me. So talking okay. about our marriage, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The second item, desire for love interferes with your ability to form healthy relationships. So you, you kind of like all your other relationships, your family members go by the wayside. Okay. I mean, think about this if I had the word alcohol in here, right? These things all kind of match that addictive context. So just substitute the word alcohol for love. Almost, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Desire for love causes you to ignore other basic health and well-being needs. Huh. If you feel a great deal of anxiety or distress when you're not with your spouse, you find yourself creating possessive or abusive behaviors. Okay. You begin to see negative consequences such as poor mental health, breakdown of relationships with friend or family, loss of interest in anything else, or relationship instability for either the addict or their partner. So okay. these are consequences around it, right? Now, again, like I said, don't take these signs out of context or alone. Be thoughtful in your application of this. That last point there is an example. You could also have that, uh, you know, to all sorts of different potential root issues, like other mental health issues could mm -hmm. cause that outcome. Right, right. So take them as a constellation to describe a pattern of things that should be held together. Okay. Now, just to kind of clarify this further, though, let's look at some of the common characteristics of a love addict's relationship. And this is from uh, Alexandra Karhakis. Uh, she was one of the trainers at uh, the last uh, CSAT uh, module I took. A very insightful lady. But she points out that uh, some of the characteristics of a relationship where one or both partners could be love addicts are likely to be one lacking in intimacy and trust due to being solely focused on romance and not on companionate love. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Two clingy, suspicious, and jealous. And again, okay. don't take these things out of context because a person could struggle with that all by itself. It doesn't mean you're a love addict. <laughs> Number three, manipulative. Number four, using sex as a substitute for love, desiring or initiating sex with the hope of receiving love. Number five, likely to resort to extreme lengths to get the fix of chemicals caused by love. The addict will often view, view this as trying to fix the relationship. Number six, highly unstable. The addicted partner may simply leave when the passionate love fades. Hmm. Number seven, high likelihood of affairs to try to meet the need for excitement, the need for romance, which is not possible to sustain in a long-term marriage. And again, I'm not saying you can't have excitement and romance in your marriage, but not the same as you had at the start. You can't okay. maintain that 18 months throughout the duration of your marriage. It's going to change. Okay. So it's complex. Yeah. Like I feel like there's so many caveats in here. I'm not sure. Yeah. So where we're at. 
Yeah, on that note, we've created some extra help for our much appreciated supporters. And this week, we drilled down to help you answer the question, am I a love addict? So if you're starting to think, oh, this might be a problem, and you've heard what we've said so far and you're wondering about that, this guide will take you through the addiction criteria for this issue. It'll help you begin to identify where it might have come from and then really help you to see what you might be missing in your relationship and can look forward to as you pursue recovery from love addiction. So you can get that by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And as usual, we'll just take a break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about characteristics of a love addict's relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, and found out that it was a little bit more complex and confusing than first thought. Yes, because part of this looks normal. Yes. Right. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with wanting the passion and excitement. and Right. But it, at some point, that can become dysfunctional and destructive to your life yeah, and your main, your relationships, your health, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So let's talk about attachment, rejection, and trauma as possible causes of love addiction. Because maybe someone's wondering, why am I doing this? Or why is my spouse doing this, right? If you have a spouse that appears to be a love addict, you're looking Mm -hmm. for some way to make sense of how they found themselves in this place. Well, love addiction is sometimes linked to insecure attachment. And our language through here gets a little bit tentative because... I can't sit on this side of a microphone and be precisely describing someone else's spouse. Right. Yeah. Okay. So just take these things and think through them. And again, this is no replacement for doing therapy with a qualified therapist, which if you're looking for that, we would love to help you in this particular area. Love addiction is sometimes linked to insecure attachment and to attachment disorder. We've talked about attachment in the past. That's the science of love. Insecure attachment is one kind of attachment, one type of attachment that's born from how our parents or how our primary caregivers showed love to us as babies and toddlers. So our ability to love today is affected by or instilled into us by how they loved us. Okay. Okay. Now, when you grow up then with insecure attachment, this can lead to the obsessive feelings, the dependency, the intense need for love and for acceptance that can cause someone to be addicted or to become addicted to the feelings of love. Oh my goodness. The feelings of early romantic love. Okay. And, And so love addiction can lead to very unhealthy relationships based where the relationship is based solely on trying to maintain the feelings of passion at the expense of trust and intimacy. Now, research suggests that some people who develop love addiction do so as a way of coping with past trauma. Could be a previous abusive relationship, 
It could be from experiencing abuse from parents as a child. Mm -hmm. The love addict uses their relationship as a way to reenact and relive the trauma they experienced in an attempt today to heal unresolved wounds. This is another potential source. Okay. And so as such, they may continually seek out emotionally unavailable or even abusive partners to try to meet their need for love and approval. This is called traumatic reenactment. Yeah. It's very complex, but it's, it ends up taking their brokenness and breaking it more. Yeah. And the very way that they're trying to pursue love is in the way of them actually experiencing love, like healthy love. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say that again. The very way that they're trying to pursue love gets yeah. in the way of them actually experiencing healthy oh, gets love. gets in the way of it. Yeah. Okay. Now, again, research shows that being rejected in love still creates feelings of addiction. This is another side to the coin yeah. here. Okay. Being rejected in love can still create feelings of addiction in the same way that mutual requited love does. So what is mutual requited where love? Where it's coming back at you, it's reciprocated. Like you're loving someone, they're loving you back. Yeah. So how does that create feelings of addiction? Well, what I'm saying is that being rejected yeah. can create the same as that. What did I, where did I drop the ball here? So being rejected. But to me, I thought you said that like a mutual requited love. So earlier I said that you know, that first 18 months, uh-huh. it's kind of similar to addiction. Okay. But this becomes addiction when it continues to get pursued past a reasonable amount of time and it becomes destructive. We start to see okay. those other symptoms, okay. right? And that's the mutual, that's where it's looking for something mutual to come back. Yeah. Okay. But I'm taking a slight pivot here to say that actually getting rejected out of a relationship mm-hmm. can create the same addictive feelings. Just follow me here again for a sec. Okay. So being rejected or thinking about a former partner you still love activates the same reward and obsession areas in the brain while triggering both happy and sad memories of creating feeling and, and then creating feelings of intense longing. This okay. is a study from 2010, right? So for a love addict, being rejected or breaking up with partners continues to feed the cycle of addiction even as it creates intense distress and unhappiness. And this is worth noting too, since the the breakup can be part of the cycle of the addiction, not just the pursuit of love, but the breakup can actually be reinforcing it too. Okay, those feelings of addiction. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Because some people may be sitting here, well, why do I always break up then if I'm... You know, yeah, if I'm addicted to it and I want it. Yeah, well, it could be part of the addiction, the breakup as well, not just the initiation or the pursuit. Wow. Yes. Okay. You know, when you start to see how complex this is, and now we're going to pivot to talk a little bit about treatment. Yeah. I'm going to say love addiction should be treated by a certified sex addiction therapist. This really is a specialization for those of us who work in the field of sex addiction. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as part of treatment, just to kind of give an overview, like the first thing as you would expect from any addict is the need to admit that you have this issue and to commit to getting help, mm-hmm. commitment to recovery. Treatment involves breaking the habits and cycles of addiction and then picking up the pieces of the relationship, the marriage, if there's one there, and the addict's life, because this is obviously severe enough to have destructive consequences, yeah. right? Okay. And, you know, of course, there's various treatment methods and approaches. Uh, some of them may sound familiar to other ones that people know about, like the 12-step model. Okay. But because of these other root causes we've talked about, the addict may also need to really treat those underlying issues, attachment disorders, past trauma a deeply held negative self-worth and beliefs, any other painful areas where the person is using love addiction to avoid facing that pain. Okay. 
This is where the deeper healing needs to happen because really diving deep into those issues and pursuing that deeper healing helps to break the back of this addiction and free you up to enjoy healthy love. So you're not always going to this default coping mechanism. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, this is particularly interesting here is one, and this is very specific to treating love addiction. The addict may hold the fear that once they get treated and they get into recovery from love addiction, they will never be able to experience the thrill and excitement of love anymore. You're gonna oh, take so that, why would you want to recover? You're going to take that away from me. Okay, okay. Am I just going to be a vegetable, a romantic vegetable, if you know what I mean, right? Yeah, okay. So the addict spouse can help with this if, if married or the therapist or someone by showing them that healthy long-term love is always better than the unrealistic fantasy of love addiction. Because the reason why the, the addiction is perpetuated is because you never really get what you want. So you keep going after Because you're it. wanting the wrong thing because you're responding to wounds because it's not coming from a healthy place. Okay. So when you, when you can pivot this to, to hold on to this belief that healthy long-term love is better, then couples can shift out of that immature love based solely on the rush of chemicals in the brain to a mature love that's based on trust, commitment, and intimacy. Okay. And at times as that intimacy deepens, you'll experience this, the high side, but you'll have much more day-to-day satisfaction and mm. even life satisfaction with steady companionate love that healthy marriage brings. Okay. So you can still have that high. Yes. But it's at times. finding it at a healthy place. It's going to be a high that feels wholesome though. It's not right. going to be exactly the same. Okay. So we, we talked quite a bit more about the difference of these two things in the bonus guide that we've made available to our patrons for this week's episode. Definitely check that out if you want to learn more or if you'd like to talk to us about how love addiction might be impacting your marriage, feel free to reach out through our website at onlyyouforever.com. So that's all for today's episode. We'd like to thank Jennifer and Tiffany for jumping on board and becoming patrons of Only You Forever. Thanks for helping us help other marriages. Yes, And we have an iTunes review, Caleb. Woot, woot. From Dave, who says, episode 129130, five stars. I'm very excited to re-listen to these episodes. Do you know which episodes these are off the top of your head? I'll scan down here while you're doing that. Okay. I'm very excited to re-listen to these episodes. I wanted to know if you could do an episode on being the spouse and the do's and don'ts of what to do when your spouse has been sexually abused. Yeah, those episodes are talking about trauma and how trauma impacts marriage. Okay, okay. So yeah, uh, good request. We we did, like uh, I just mentioned, do something on trauma in episode 130, but we'll create a more specific episode because I think this is pretty common. I think uh, that mm-hmm. will likely come out in episode 190, just so you can keep track of that. Okay. So probably about a month from when you're hearing this. Yeah. Thanks for the request, Dave. That's good. Next week. We are talking about the art and science of hugging. 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 There's a science to it. Yeah. And an art to it. Well... <laughs> Speaking from your experience. (laughs) It's time to shut it down. Okay. That is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 186. Find out how you can help. Go to oyf.support. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. 
Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for smart people from only you forever. 